Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Ed Surge Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mary Jo Matta. The Macomb School District down in Macomb, Mississippi, doesn't just believe in the power of technology when it comes to personalizing learning. In fact, for Superintendent Dr. Cedric Ellis and Summit Elementary School Principal Lakia Taylor-Washington, the bigger asset in going personalized comes down to removing arbitrary grade-level assignments and creating learning labs, a style of competency-based learning that Summit has been experimenting with since 2015. Now, at this elementary school, which, for the record, is not the same as Summit Charters in the Bay Area, scholars are grouped by readiness and performance, not by traditional grade levels. And they indicate mastery by completing projects at their own pace. Now, okay, in theory, the rollout and success of this instructional approach does sound feasible, but oftentimes it's the adults who explain how the program works without the opinions or inputs of students. I mean, I see this pretty regularly. You hear about districts talking about the stuff that they're doing, but what do the students actually think? How are they adjusting to the change? What do they like? What do they wish was different? Well, when it came to Macomb, we wanted to hear exactly how different stakeholders feel about this competency-based system. So we decided to hop on the podcast with Ellis, Taylor Washington, and two Summit students, Kiana and Patricia, to get at the question, do students, principals, and superintendents all see eye to eye on saying goodbye to grade levels? We'll get to that interview in a second, right after this. This episode of the EdSurge On Air podcast is brought to you by the EdSurge Next newsletter. Get the latest news and views about higher education technology each week. Sign up for the EdSurge Next newsletter. Just visit edsurge.com and click on subscribe. All right, listeners, it's time to get to the Ed Surge podcast. Now, our interview with the Macomb School District does include a total of five people. So there's me, but then we've got Superintendent Dr. Cedric Ellis, one of the elementary school principals, Lakia Taylor-Washington, and two students from that school, Kiana and Patricia, to hear a little bit about the changes in the district, what it means when you eliminate grade levels, and how the students are responding to this what frustrates them, and what excites them. Let's get started. So why don't you guys each introduce yourself, and Dr. Ellis, I'm going to start with you. Tell me who you are, uh, what your role is, and why don't you tell me your favorite app or education tech product that you love? So Dr. Ellis, you go first. Ah, Cedric Ellis, Superintendent Macomb School District, and... My favorite uh, technology device is really my BlackBerry. Okay, so a phone, a cell phone that does a lot. All right, uh, Kiana, why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Kiana Griffin. I'm a student at Summit, at Summit, and my favorite device is probably iPads. Awesome. Okay, next. My name is Patricia Komen, and I'm also a student here. And um, my favorite device is a computer. Interesting. So you guys have gone through some changes in your district. Uh, Dr. Ellis, can you give us a quick reminder about what exactly those changes are that you guys have been going through for the last couple of years? Uh, is it okay if I uh, allow uh, our lead learner principal to talk about those things? Absolutely. Yes. 
So Lakia Washington is the principal slash lead learner. So Lakia, why don't you explain what's going on? Okay, here at the summit, and you, you kind of followed our history and um, and why we're doing what we're doing in terms of just experiencing marginal growth over decades of you know many practitioners giving their very very best and and just seeing marginal gains um and you know what we do here is we're trying to eradicate that number one that's a frustration you know um in southwest mississippi there's a need for um economic development um and with that economic development comes getting things right at the school and I mean, we thought we were getting things right, but, you know, we just kind of had our thinking wrong. So the first thing that I think that has taken place is a huge mindset shift in terms of what we're doing with our model. Um, it's a huge jolt. It's been a jolt in terms of, um, you know, the um, physical work, the emotional work, the cognitive work, everything that has to take place to see this um, to un unfold and unveil in such a way that it's effective. Uh, our teachers have undergone two summers ago, underwent an intense training to prepare them for that jolt. Um, very, very long days, intense days um, that they became the experts in um, personalized learning. And I use that term loosely, but we are still building our practice and building what we do just to get better every day, every second. You know, we're gonna make the, part, the, the previous second, um, you know, the future second better than the previous. And um, with that learning, we have um, just transformed classrooms as you see it, rather than classrooms. And then that comes with the learning labs, right, exactly. And they can kind of give you that nomenclature that we use to help with that shift. Um, and that that's important. You know, we cannot the, the little things are the big things. It's a, you know, we call our office mission control and it's like, OK, what's that? That's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a very big deal because we have to um, show that shift, show that mindset, show that um, we are doing things differently. So all of the classrooms are learning labs, teachers are practitioners and that they get to actually practice the art and science of teaching. You know, they, they pull tools from the toolbox. They aren't using a scripted program they aren't teaching from a box they are not following um the common core best textbook company that's out there um you know they, they're working together in plc team so I, I see um an enriching environment that is forming that we're cultivating here you know we're, we're building right now we're building our archer so that we do get um the type of um growth that we need you know so we're still in the arger building process building our um our 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 medium for growth and that happens in plc's uh, and in that plc that's personalized that um is based on what they see that they need as practitioners you know that is kind of um aligned to what we do also, not just scholars get what they need, where they need it, um, based on the data that we get. Um, practitioners do the same. Um, so it, it's just a global global approach that we have. Um, so, you know, um, 
and they can tell you more of the nuances. I'm just giving you a, a global view of leadership and, and, and what we're doing um, in order to make sure we're supporting that shift in, in personalized learning and using technology, um, letting kids be the developers of their own learning rather than um, regurgitating facts that I think should be important, you know, because they have a much more relevant view, a much more relevant vantage point of where they're headed because it's their life, it's not mine. So that's kind of the whole aim, using technology pieces um, so that they can drive their education. And with that being um, part of what we do comes the automatic um, ownership piece. You know, they own their learning. This is about you. You know, these are things that you need. And, and right now we're in a place where we are mitigating what we have to do in terms of our state here in Mississippi, what we have those mandates and also being as walking on the tightrope and he said I won't get in trouble right <laughs> we're walking the tightrope of mitigating what we have to do in policy that traditional policy I could use a lot of other adjectives there but I won't that traditional policy that we follow for decades you know pre-civil rights we're using some of that same policy you know so you know, we wouldn't have had to have a pre-civil rights if some of those policies were in place. But anyway, whole another story. But we're we're learning to mitigate between policy and trying to be as innovative as possible without, you know, breaking state laws. And you've got this work, so you're doing this work in technology. But I'm also curious about the learning labs, because from what I understand, you guys have sort of changed up the grade level system. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Um, and they can kind of tell you a little more, but we take a um, test. It's a um, universal screener. We take um, the beginning of every year to determine where each and every scholar is. They are given a scale score and that scale score we, um, you know, with the support of the company have developed a, a translation from scale score to a level kind of um, have eradicated grades. That that's where we are in terms of um, building um, using instructional levels rather than a grade level because of social reasons. And you know, I, I wouldn't dare put a a scholar that's six years old in a learning lab that has ten year olds just because of the social element um, and you know develop development there. But um, that child still gets what he or she needs at his level or her level. Well, so I'm curious to hear from the girls. So, because you guys have been in this for a little while now. So, so what do you guys think about the fact that you don't technically have grade levels anymore? Well, it's actually kind of fun because now I don't really have to work where everyone else is working. And since I already know some of the stuff, I don't have to go over and over and over again and end up forgetting some stuff that I have learned, but then forget it, learning old things again. So. Okay. What about you, Patricia? Um, I think it's good because I don't have to be referred to on the same level as everyone else, even though I'm not. And I can work on my own stuff instead of working on what other people need, and I can work on what I need. Okay. 
So now let's talk about anything that's frustrating you guys. So um, Patricia and Kiana, since you've been there for a while, what was sort of tough about the transition to not having grade levels all of a sudden? Like when I first asked you guys what grade levels you were in, you, neither of you could give me an answer. Do any of your friends outside of school or your parents or anyone else sort of get confused when you try to explain the way that this works to them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more about that? Why do you think they get confused? My mom, when I try to tell her, like, I'm on, I'll have to tell her a traditional grade level, then, like, I'll tell, then I'll tell her our level, then she'll be like, wait. And she's like, just, okay, hold <laughs> up. I'm going to draw a chart because I can't just explain all of this. And she's like, nah, just, just don't worry about it. But I have to tell you, it needs to be done. She's For sometimes when people ask me what grade I'm in, I just try to explain it to them that we don't have grades. And they're just like, how don't you have grades? And I'm like, we have levels. And then they just ask me, what do you mean? Yeah, what's levels? Then hmm. I just try to explain it to them. But after a while, it's like, ugh, I've explained it to you for an hour. One more time. <laughs> so it might take a little bit of time to explain it to them. So I'm curious, too, to hear from your superintendent, because, Dr. Ellis, I know you probably get questions all the time about this. So what do you tell parents when they're like, wait a second, what's going on here? Well, the biggest shift is to really get, get parents and community folks to understand this, because when we say we don't have grade levels, that really freaks folk out. Hmm. This is what they have traditionally been accustomed to. And we're in the process, as, as, as Ms. Washington said, we're in the process of trying to make sure that we, we, we walk that tightrope because there are some parents who still wants to know if my child is in the third grade. Mm -hmm. They don't understand all of these things. So we're trying to make sure that we, that we tell the parents and we tell folk that yes, the, this learning lab is a traditional fourth grade learning, fourth grade classroom. Mm -hmm. However, inside of that classroom, we have students who are functioning on various different levels. Mm -hmm. Inside of the classroom, we're inside of that fourth grade learning lab, we're providing every student with what they need based upon where they are. So we may have a fourth grade scholar in a learning lab, and that fourth grade scholar may be getting first grade traditional first grade reading content mm. may have a fourth grade scholar and that fourth grade scholar may be getting something on a ninth grade level because that that is where the that is where the scholar is mm. when we explain it that way then parents and community folk can understand that we're not differentiating instruction because that is not what we're doing mm. is that we're truly personalizing instruction and meeting scholars where they are. Got it. But, but it, 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 it takes a while to wrap your mind around it. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about all of these instructional levels, people really can't understand that we really have uh, traditional fifth grade students. And these traditional fifth grade students are actually doing high school work. Mm -hmm. Lakia, what about you? Have you had to work specifically with trying to communicate what's going on to parents? Oh my, yeah, that is probably the theme of this year. And, and um, 
you know, we were new last year. Everything was new. So parents didn't know what to ask. <laughs> um, but this year with them being more knowledgeable and, um, you know, of course, wanting the best for their child, that has been a conversation that's come up often um, in, in trying to explain true personalization versus differentiation versus <laughs> grade level and, and how we are trying to, um, what we're trying to do here. So um, that has been, that has been one of my challenges this year. It has been. And one of the things that had a couple of parents that talked to me and some of these parents were really thinking about removing their, removing their scholars and putting them back in the traditional school merely because their traditional grade would be failing. So if we have a third grade scholar and that third grade scholar is functioning on a first grade reading level. And if we, if the grading piece is based upon third grade content, then that student will have an F. So what they, what they can't wrap their minds around is that if my student is in this class, in this learning lab, in a traditional third grade learning lab, and they're failing, then my student, my child is not getting what he or she needs. And then we have to go back and say, okay, well, your child is not going to get third grade content. So wherever your child is, if your child has a passing grade in third grade content, then someone is not being honest with you about the, the level of your child. And then we tell the parent, let's look at where your child is. And we will say that if my student, if my child is making the progress based upon where he is, based upon that level, so if it's a third grade student and that student is functioning on the kindergarten level, if that student is growing based upon where he is, then the model is doing what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it does, I, the scary thing I could see about being a student, and this is a question for, for all of you, Kiana, um, uh, Patricia, and Hayden, is, you know, when you're, when you're going through this, if you don't have grade levels, you may not necessarily know how you're doing. So why don't you tell me that? How do you guys know whether you're succeeding or failing at the work that you're doing? Okay. <laughs> Everybody has answers to this, which is great. Anybody can start. Okay, so we know because we take a test at the beginning of the year called um, performance series, and it's adaptive. So it can, at the end of the test, it gives us a score, and it can be we're a level one or three. A level three would mean we're second grade, or a level it could be a level seventeen or eighteen or twenty-one. Um, which means we're higher and we're doing good. And we also take that test at the beginning of the year, then, and at different spots in the year, hmm. we take some different tests. Like we take STAR bi-weekly. Hmm. So it kind of lets us know how we've grown in two weeks. And basically it's like, oh, I did this last week and I grew this week. So that means I learned, I did learn something through those two weeks. Do you get, so you mentioned um, that you take tests. I'm wondering too, how do you, how do you use technology in this system? Like, do you all have iPads? Do you get to perform on tech platforms? Just however you feel 
comfortable with? Like, what is that process? It depends on the test. Like for the test that the te- um that determines our level, mm-hmm. we use it on the technology we're giving, which is iPads, and we also do the star test on iPads. So we do most of, most of our stuff on iPads because sometimes pen and paper just don't get it. Just don't get it, man. <laughs> and it kind of actually helps because, as you know, these days, which I'll say these days, we kids and grown-ups, mostly everyone, loves technology and some people just don't like pen and paper that much. So it it helps for them to focus more. Like it was a test. Some people will be like, they write one answer, stop, and just look at the wall for maybe 20 minutes sitting there because they're (laughs) bored. And on technology, your screen lights up. It kind of just makes you want to interact more. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Is there anything that annoys you about technology, though? Like, so a lot of schools, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, a lot of schools in Mississippi, Alabama, everywhere, are getting all these devices, iPads, computers, and bringing them into the classroom for kids to use, like yourself. But do you think there's anything about it that's either bad or doesn't seem to actually really help you learn? Uh, yeah. Yes. Some some yes. people will just go <laughs> and like I don't even know. They'll go on Google and search games, just play games that aren't even educational. Sometimes they'll even search things that why. It makes you think, what what's going yeah. on? Like, when did we come to this? <laughs> and what's and sometimes, what's going on? sometimes we just think you um, you get the opportunity to use iPads in your learning, and why are you wasting it? Like, wow. And and then it's like these people are the only ones acting up in the classroom, and they're doing it over and over. And they know they're doing it, and they do it to annoy the teacher. Hmm. Why? Where does it make sense? <laughs> they confuse me. What What are you doing? That you're wasting time, first of all, and then you're wasting opportunities that you could have to learn things that you don't know. Hmm. Dr. Ellis, or does does anybody else, Lakia? Do you have any thoughts about that? I, I do. Um, and they are exactly right. We have to, um, you know, be pur- purposeful and, and make sure we are teaching the um, all of the scholars how to use the technology they have for their learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so that's something that we are very vigilant about. But also um, on the flip side, because smartphones or smartphones, iPads, you know, we can anywhere there's a tower you can have internet use, mm-hmm. you know, these kids um, at Summit, you know, have access to the learning platforms that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, they can work Sundays at 12 o'clock. They can work, you know, pretty much learning is always at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. So that, um, that having that 24 hour a day, seven day a week access is something that is, that has been invaluable. Mm-hmm. So, so. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we, we have to be very intentional, not about the scholars, but, but, but with our teacher practitioners, mm. because 
they must be able to utilize this device as a as an enhancement to learning and not an electronic worksheet. And so we have to be very careful that our teacher practitioners don't utilize this as just an electronic worksheet. And so that 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 is that's a challenge. Not all teacher practitioners know how to do that. They think that give them an iPad and they'll be fine and that they, they will they'll learn themselves and there is no need for me as a teacher practitioner. But that is that is not the case and nothing can replace no technology tool can replace Never a high quality teacher in the classroom. Never I wanna add on to what Ms. Washington said. We have access to that and sometimes like parents will ask, Why doesn't my kid have any homework? Why doesn't the kid have any homework on any days of the week? Well, some kids don't tell their parents this, but you have homework. <laughs> you can do anytime you want. But you choose not to. Mm. Okay. I have something to add on that too. Every day, my mom asks me, "Do I do, do, do I have homework? homework?" And I say, "Yeah, yeah. I have the choice to." The choice. Mm -hmm. I have a choice. <laughs> and then she says, "Do it." And then, <laughs> and then do you do it? Uh, do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to ask you one big last question. These are for the girls. And then adults, I'm coming to you in a second too. So just you wait. Ladies, if you could ask for anything in your school to be changed or anything new, and you could ask the superintendent and your principal for it, what would it be? I would ask for more apps to learn. <laughs> to learn. She, she, she. Okay. Mm. What she said, but different, like more apps, but kind of just where the teacher can also work on the app while mm. we're working on it and help us, mm. with the, which they do, they can look on our iPads and kind of just be like, hey, that question's pretty easy and kind of explain it. But then like to where they wouldn't have to kind of yell out across the classroom and say nothing. They would just tell you or help you on your iPad. Okay. So more apps, that particular type of app. Okay. So Lakia and Cedric, final thoughts. Based on what the kids have said during this call, do you feel like the education that you are giving them is going to deliver on both what they want and what they need? I, I do. I think, um, you know, what we are doing, what we have in place is um, a work in progress, but um, I have seen just a shift in the culture. I was at a traditional um, middle school with um, similar grades um, two years ago before I became lead learner here. And again, intentions um, of teachers is never the question. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the model that, um, you know, you have in place that that I think leads itself to the greatest outcomes for, for our scholars. And I have seen a huge culture shift because, you know, these are the same kids, same district, same area, same demographic. Um, so in terms of what they need and giving them the time and space to work and be who they are, 
I have seen a, a shift in discipline. I have, um, you know, this time of the year, I would not be able to have this video conference with you because I would be inundated with, you know, working disciplinary referrals. Mm -hmm. So um, I have seen a shift in um, just how these students view school. Um, you know, it's not a point of letting a teacher down. They don't want to let themselves down. They want to work to their full potential. Mm. Um, and what they want, I mean, you know, they've said it. They love using the iPads um, and we want to provide, again, more purposeful um, and just kind of stay ahead of the, the curve so that we don't become, um, that we stay relevant in, in what we're doing for what they want to do and what they like to do, you know. So I... On a scale of one to ten, I give us right now in terms of what they want and what they need. Um, I think I, we're we're looking at a strong seven. Okay, I think that's fair. You've you're doing well, but there's still room to grow. And what about you, Dr. Ellis? Uh, listening to um, the scholars, and uh, they they are confirming one of the things that Ms. Washington, Mr. Johnson, that we've talked about with technology is that what we have to do is that we want to be able to use technology so that our scholars can create new learning. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we are there yet. And based upon what both of these young scholars said is that they didn't say it that way. But I think they really said that, how can we utilize technology to create, to create new learning? And I think that that is one of the things that we need to really focus on is that, yes, we can use technology to enhance instruction. Yes, it can support the teacher practitioner. But how can these young scholars utilize these technology pieces to create learning that we've not even seen? Yes. For jobs that we might not even know about yet. Yes. And we need to provide them with 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 those opportunities and we're not there yet. And these two scholars have confirmed that we're not there yet. <laughs> okay, right, before and... we log off, I just want everyone to say one big uh, goodbye to all of the podcast listeners so they can all hear podcast listeners who will eventually be listening to this. Please say thank you to these wonderful ladies. And everybody, can you guys say goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> This has been the EdSearch On Air podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mary Jo Matta, and advertisements were read by Alice Meyerhoff. You can give us a grade on the quality of this podcast by rating us on iTunes or sending an email to us at feedback at edsearch.com. You can also subscribe on the iPhone podcast app, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with more on the future of education. We'll see you then.